Summer Camp and COVID-19, presented by the Sherry Group, LLC. Okay, welcome to Summer Camp and COVID-19, presented by the Sherry Group, LLC. I am Drew Demery. I'm joined by my co-host, David Sherry. And today we have Abby Parker with us, a camping director here in the great state of Iowa. Welcome, Abby. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So, Abby, I want to dive in and just kind of understand where you're coming from. What does a normal summer camp at your camp look like? What, is, what does a normal summer look like? Yeah, so a normal summer at the camp that I work at is um, traditionally eight to nine weeks long, and we do both an overnight camp and a day camp. In a traditional summer, we have around 260 overnight campers on property at a time, and then about 100 day campers. So about 360 kids, and then a staff team of close to 100 to support that entire operation. Um, we are a traditional Sunday check-in through Saturday checkout for our overnight camp, and then our our day camp is um, about 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. Excellent. So then COVID-19 happened and we're in the year 2020. What did this year look like, Abby? Yeah, so when the beginning stages of COVID in March, uh, we, you know, tried to take everything that we were seeing and apply it to however our program could be. Um, trudged through those trenches till about mid-May and then when the ACA um, guidelines came out along with some sketchy CDC guidelines, um, we decided that overnight camp programming was just not going to be feasible and it really came down to cost, um, that it was going to cost us a lot more to run it than it was than we were going to to get from the program, as well as um, just the availability of things. Things were going to cost a lot to get to our camp um, and not having been fully prepared for a season of COVID and whatever that would bring, um, we just knew that that wasn't gonna be possible. So we quickly transitioned to just having our day camp program run for the summer. Um, and we kept to that schedule. So we still did eight weeks of day camp and then um, two weeks of staff training. I think the hardest thing about the timeline that we had was that when we made the decision, we only had two weeks to really put together what day camp in a COVID scenario would look like, as well as our staffing structure. At about that time, we were 90% staffed and we did not need 90 staff <laughs> to help um, run our day camp program. And so as a director, that was probably one of the hardest things to date that I've ever had to do is make those decisions as far as who got to stay and who had to um, not come to camp for the summer. Uh, that took a lot of phone calls and re-interviewing and making those decisions. We narrowed it down to a team of about 35 staff to help us for the summer. And were you still operating with about 100 day campers or was that number able to increase or did it decrease? We left it pretty fluid um, that we were still not 100% on what the guidance from the state of Iowa was going to be, what the state 
the guidance from um, ACA and um, CDC was going to be. So we modeled it uh, after about 150 campers, wishful thinking for day camp. Um, that is not our typical, but we knew we could support that. And that's where our staffing numbers came from. And then knew that if we didn't hit the 150 day camp numbers, that um, unfortunately we might have to let some staff go, but as well as um, there was other things that they could do for us at camp. So 150 was our goal. We never met that goal. Um, we had a few weeks that were um, right at 100 campers and that seemed to be about our sweet spot um, for the high weeks and then our lower end weeks, we were at like 40 to 50 campers. But we saw that increase over the summer, which was pretty cool. That parents were really hesitant at first, and then we saw our numbers grow um, every week. They would grow. We would get last-minute registrations every week. That's great. So, Abby, can you talk a little bit more about uh, the cost of running overnight camp, and what did you see as the cost barriers that were going to make it difficult to run camp this summer? Yeah, the way our cabins are set up is the very traditional bunk style cabins. Uh, so 12 beds um, that are definitely not six feet apart from anything. And so we were going to have to reduce capacity in, in those cabins potentially to help fit that six foot rule in there, as well as um, figure out barriers or however you wanted to look at it. Um, and that was just not something we were willing to, to give to because that just, we felt it took away from the camp experience that kids anticipated, parents expected, um, and maybe a little scary in, in a sense. And so that was gonna be a cost. Um, and then not being able to fill bunks was going to be a cost that we were going to, to incur, um, as well as cleaning supplies that you know you know how hard it is to still get your hands on some cleaning supplies and so how do you do that with 360 people on site daily needing to wash hands and sanitize and uh, wipe down every surface possible and so while we had put in an order really early we didn't know if it was going to last us the entire summer and so that was uh, going to be a, a cost our dining hall is um, a huge point of contention as it is, that it is a tight squeeze anyways. Um, so if anyone has a million dollars that they would love to donate, we needed a renovation badly anyways. And that was just gonna be like, how do we serve kids in a very tight setting already and shift meals? At one point when we had scheduled things out, a lot of our directors are very hands-on during meal times, and we figured that we would spend our entire day in the dining hall just serving kids food without having to hire extra staff to help with that. And so, again, another cost was that we were going to end up having more food service staff because we were going to have to shift so many meals. And while I would love to say you can have kids eat outside, you just you can't rely on that 100%, um, especially in Iowa and especially where we're at, we get some pretty nasty storms that can roll through. And so that just wasn't a feasible opportunity. So more staff was gonna be needed. Um, we already were looking at a housekeeping crew. That is not something we traditionally do. We traditionally rotate um, like counselors in training um, through cleaning um, rotations as well as staff. And we knew this summer that we were gonna have to dedicate a housekeeping crew. Um, we got a brand new bathhouse, which is a beautiful, all-inclusive building. Um, 
a bear to clean. And so, especially given COVID and wanting to go in and clean things more frequently, we knew that was more of an issue than it was in the past. Can you talk a little bit about uh, making that decision and what that was like to make the decision not to run camp? Just yeah, it had to have been an emotionally difficult thing to do. And how did you, uh, how did you get to that conclusion? And how did the parents take it? How did you share it with the family? Was it a hard decision? Absolutely. Was it the right decision and you knew in your gut it was the right decision? Yeah. And so I think once the writing was on the wall, once the ACA stuff came out, it was like kind of that sigh of relief of we know the direction we need to go. Um, and while we still didn't want to make the decision and we wanted to serve kids this summer, um, we knew that something was gonna have to give. And so um, it was after the very first ACA webinar with the, the, the group that they had hired um, that we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, we have really good plans in place, uh, but this is gonna take a heck of a lot more. I think all of us kind of had that sigh of relief when the decision was made because you were gonna take backlash no matter what. Um, and so there was no win. And so that's where you know, we had to do what was best for our camp and for the best of our population. Uh, parents, I think, took it pretty well. Um, I didn't receive, you know, too much feedback as far as this is the wrong decision. I got a lot of thank you for helping us make this decision because I think a lot of parents were just waiting for someone else to because they were already making so many decisions. They were already having to tell kids like you can't go to friends houses and you can't play basketball or softball or whatever they're involved in. And so I think this was the one thing off their plate that they didn't have to decide on and um, they were very thankful for that. And even throughout the summer, we had so many parents tell us thank you and thank you for the safety measures that we were putting in place and that they felt really comfortable with what we were doing. That's great. I, I love that uh, you were willing to make the right decision for your campers and camp and that that came first. It says a lot about uh, your leadership team. So how did you handle the, you and your team handled, it had to have been emotional. Uh, and all of a sudden having a very different summer in front of you. What did that summer look like and how did you manage that uh, feeling without, without having camp? Yeah, it was weird and quiet. Like there was the times that you'd be like, wait, is there kids here? <laughs> um, because we were used to, you know, almost 500 people on site daily and all of a sudden there was 130 at tops and they were so spread out that it was very quiet. Uh, I ended up being the head lifeguard for the summer. Like I got to use those skills. Um, our pool had had um, a little mishap at the beginning of the summer and uh, had a nice little leak in it. And so we had let our head lifeguard go because we were like, we don't know if we're gonna get this fixed. We didn't know how much it was gonna cost and just time-wise, we didn't know if it was gonna be feasible, but then it did. And so I ended up lifeguarding every single morning um, for about four weeks, <laughs> um, which was fun because I got to be right involved with the kids and see my counselors in action more than I typically do, to be honest. And they weren't looking at me as being, oh, Abby's around, my boss is here. I gotta put on a good face. They were here and I was lifeguarding and so they knew they weren't gonna get any immediate <laughs> feedback in that moment. Um, so, so that was nice because it helped fill the void because 
Um, while I oversee both the day camp and overnight camp program, I am more intimately involved in the overnight camp program in the summer, as Drew can attest, like I have a day camp director that runs that program. And so I didn't have any of the parent interactions that I typically do. I didn't have the emails on Monday morning after drop off on Sunday of like, oh, is my camper okay? Did they fit into their cabin? You know, all that stuff. I didn't have any of that this summer, but in true camp fashion, there's always something to do and always some maintenance things that need to get done. So everybody did a really good job as far as director level of jumping in and helping out with different projects and um, making sure that we were available for staff and campers as needed. We anticipated seeing a lot of campers having a lot more emotional social health issues this summer and can't say that we did. Kids were just really excited to be with their friends and to be around other kids. And so I think some of the behavior issues that we thought we would see from not being around kids didn't end up being there, which was good um, that they kind of flawlessly came into the setting um, and, you know, got back to their groove of camp. And I hope that translates to school, um, too, as they move into that. So we were we had prepared our staff and we had actually hired an extra program director to help with that this summer and we didn't end up having to use them in that fashion 100 percent of the time Abby, you mentioned um hiring like a cleaning crew and an extra program director these sound like kind of innovative things to me some innovative adjustments um, so what other innovative innovative adjustments did you make this summer yeah, so we did keep kids in pods um, that they really never interacted with another um, day camp group while here, except for two times, well, I should take that back, one time during the day. We tried to keep it to around 10 kids. There were some weeks um, just because of the number of staff that we had um, that we did have to up that number. Um, we do programming with four-year-olds, and so we had to shift um, to make sure that those four-year-olds were well taken care of as well on those weeks. Um, and so sometimes we would have no more than 14 kids in a group, which in the state of Iowa was totally fine. We didn't have those restrictions during the summer as far as how many kids you or people you, um, you needed to have. Um, so we kept them in those small groups. Um, they rotated through five different activities throughout the day. And so um, they would go from activity to activity, always had two counselors with them. Uh, at the end of activities, one counselor's job was to wipe down all the equipment they were using. So we made the decision not to wipe it down after every child. We figured um, that you know, kids are kids, they're going to give high fives and hugs, even when you're trying to teach them not to and help them enforce those things. But, you know, we, we knew that there was going to be that innocent touching of what they're used to in their lives happening. And so we, we felt that wiping down equipment after every time was a little, um, a little much and would actually end up taking more time in the activities and we wanted them to get a full activity period. And so we wiped it down at the end of every activity period, everything from wiping down markers and crayons to um, the archery equipment. Um, every group had new playground balls every time that they played an activity so if it was gaga they had a new playground ball that was just for their group and then it would go into a bag and get disinfected at the end of the day the only time that we had groups come together was for our campfire and our chapels that we would do and even then um, we split camp in half basically and would only have two or three groups at each of those we had 
because we had all of our camp property to use and we have we have a day camp council ring and we have a resident camp council ring so we were able to split groups between those and then use our chapel as that as well um, so there was never more than three groups at a time and then we were able to socially distance them at those our counselors were amazing at trying to teach kids how to wash hands in between every activity and how to social distance. For a few weeks, we did have what we called our social distancing officer. Um, and their job was to go around and teach kids about social distancing. We, um, one of our counselors, um, her name was Lainey, and she was, had made up a song about spreading out, being like peanut butter and jelly and make sure that you're six feet apart. Um, and so they would go around and teach the kids that, and then also come around and like put contests together. Um, sometimes they would do goofy things like, um, there was one afternoon where every child had kind of like suspenders attached to a hula hoop and that was their zone that they could hang out in um, and they would walk around like that um, but you know it was more just teaching opportunities our expectations for the kids to follow these hundred percent all day every day was pretty low we just wanted them to be ready for whatever came next so hopefully those kids that came to camp this summer go into their classroom and they're like this isn't so weird um, because we got a taste of it at camp. We did not require that our campers wear masks unless they were indoors. Um, we did highly suggest to our counselors that they wear masks pretty much 100% of the day, just because you never know when you um, are gonna need to console a child who's upset or is having, having a moment and needs to be that six, you can't maintain that six feet. Um, and I will say, I know the um, news is giving a bad rap to college kids right now because they're out, um, you know, wanting to be with their friends and being on campus. Um, they were by far better at wearing a mask than I was. I had to remind myself a lot of times when I would go into a situation to be like, oh yes, I need to put this on. Whereas uh, they just put them on at the beginning of the day and didn't take them off until the end of the day. They were really good at it. And they would also get really frustrated when others would not wear them when they knew that they were supposed to. So they kept each other in check really well, which was awesome to see. I love the idea of uh, coming up with the, the songs and the different games to educate the kids. That's so camp. That's such a that's one of the things that camp is so good at is finding a a fun way to educate kids. So that that's great. Can you um, can you talk any more about that? Can you share some of the games or some of the things that they did? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, some of them were so like off the cuff, and that the counselors would just come up to it, and then at the end of the day, you'd be like, "Oh, we should all be doing this," and so they would take opportunities to teach them. Um, I know that they would do like pool noodle trains so that they would like when they were walking places they would have sometimes have each kid be hanging um, onto pool noodles from front to end so that way they could be there. We had seen seen somewhere where like putting marker on their hands so then that they could wash their hands off and then the marker needed to disappear. So we tried that. That didn't work as well as uh, all the social media made it seem out to be. There's some kids that just hold on to marker a lot more and so they were scrubbing their hands. <laughs> Um, a lot of songs were created about helping kids just remember, like, to, to spread out. Um, I think that was one big thing that they did. We did contests, um, and that helped with our staff a lot more than I think the kids, that there was points given, like, if they were seen doing things that were socially distant or wearing their mask when they were supposed to, um, and so that, that helped. They would earn points, and then they would get prizes. Um, 
So we did we did that at counselor level, and then we also did that at a camper level. Um, but the counselors bought into it a heck of a lot more than the kids did, which was 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 fun. <laughs> and you know, like I said, we didn't you know enforce it a hundred percent of the time. We but we also knew exactly what kids were going to be in each group and since they never intermixed we felt pretty comfortable knowing that if a situation were to arise we knew we could contract trace really easy within our program and so that was something we intentionally made sure we were set up for success if something were to happen but we never ended up having to use any of those mitigations as far as i know we stayed covid free this summer uh, not saying that there wasn't anybody here who was asymptomatic and but we never had any any issues that's great. And I, I just love the fact, too, that it gave kids a chance to be normal and and get to be a kid again after uh, a spring of being home for most of them. That I'm sure that was really valuable to them and their, their families to just get outside and be around other kids. And Yeah, and that's something that's a little unique to our program is that we don't typically see a whole lot of return day campers from week to week. We, um, because we're a tourist community, they come and then they go back home after their week of being in the area. And this summer we saw a lot more of that. And I think it was because a lot of people had retreated to our area and said, no, we're just gonna stay here. It's a smaller community. Um, we're not in the big city. Maybe felt a little safer. I, I don't know if I can speak to that, but um, that it just, um, they, they felt a lot safer. And so that's where we saw our enrollment increase over the summer is that, you know, they were a little unsure at the beginning of the summer whether this was going to be the right fit for them and their family and if it was going to be safe. And then they would sign up for two, three, four, five weeks um, and be here. So we had a lot of kids who were here all summer long and use us more as their daycare option than we ever have had in the past. Abby, can you tell us a little bit about um, what summer staff looked like this summer as far as like living quarters and maybe their schedule because if you're a day camp I imagine that um, you know you got five maybe six hours in the evening where you don't have children but you do have staff. Um, what were they doing those times or how did you manage them? What did it look like to be a staff member this summer? They're going to be in for a rude awakening when they come back and it's a normal summer camp. We <laughs> <laughs> don't have a lot of free time when kids weren't here. Um, we set it up that uh, we have some um, housing that's more dorm style that typically would have four people in a room. We set those up where there was only two because we didn't have enough of those for all of our staff um, because we had decreased capacity there. Then we would move them into some of our camper cabins and we would max those out at four. And again, making sure that they were spaced out six feet. And I, I called it their corners. They each had a corner of the cabin. Um, this also helps decrease the capacity in some of our restroom facilities so that way they could, um, you know, be, have kind of a little bit more privacy and maintain some better sanitation than if they were all using the same bathhouse um, all day, every day. So that's how housing was set up. Um, they also, our housekeeping crew would also go through and help clean the restroom facilities throughout the day. Then they had some responsibilities with that too. Um, more than ever, we did room checks to make sure that they were keeping them their their own rooms clean. Um, you know, I I know myself as a college kid at camp would sometimes explode my bunk space, and so um, we try to keep that in check a little bit to help maintain that cleanliness factor in their rooms. We, earlier in the summer, had thought about moving them. Um, that way they weren't living with the same person all summer long. Um, 
more from feedback from them that they had wanted that early on. And then as we got into the summer, they were like, we don't want to move. And we also agreed that if we would ever have any issue, contact tracing would have been a nightmare if we had moved them halfway through the summer. So we did not. Um, so they stayed with the same roommates all summer long. And I didn't, we didn't have any issues with that, which was great. Um, they were a really amazing team. They bounced from some hard decisions to having fun to um, just going with the flow. So that was great. As far as in the evenings, day camp would be done around four. They would do cleanup of camp every afternoon. And so we would have a staff meeting about 5.15, going to dinner, and then the rest of the night was theirs. So we would um, a lot of times have our program director set up evening programs. So sometimes there would be campfires. Sometimes there would be um, all camp games that we would typically have played with overnight campers. We would have those for our counselors. So they would get a little taste of it, especially if they do come back. Um, sometimes we would open up our, some of our program areas so they could go you know, to the waterfront and go canoeing and kayaking. Or we had just put in a new zip line at the end of um, 2019 summer and so they were really into doing that they would go horseback riding sometimes we'd open up the pool for them so they got to do camp things without kids there um, which we've done a little bit in past uh, years but this year was really nice because we could open that up a heck of a lot more uh, we did let our staff go off-site um, we limited how much they could go off-site uh, so they would have one night off a week and that would be Wednesdays where they could we didn't serve dinner here at camp and so they could go do that on their own um, and then on the weekends as well they were able to leave if they were not assigned to work because on the weekends we did host um, family camps or we opened up our facility for rentals and programming um, not a true family camp in any sense of the definition but uh, we did have that so we would have eight to ten staff that would help us on the weekends with that programming uh, can we talk about the things you did in addition to day camp? So you did family camp. I, I thought I saw that you were doing some horse rides with the community. What, what kind of things in addition to day camp did you do to try to serve the community this summer? Yeah, so we have um, around 30 horses. And so we, we did offer public trail rides, uh, I think three times a week maybe only twice, um, but they would, we would do them in the mornings and then the afternoons, so people could sign up for that. Uh, that was really popular. Uh, you know, we are one of the only facilities in the Lakes area that has horses, and so when you go on vacation, sometimes you want to go for a trail ride, so we were able to um, offer that, and hopefully no one would ever expect that again, because we shouldn't shouldn't be able to do that in the, again. Um, and then on the weekends, we would host the, the family retreats or, um, you know, friends retreats. We would have quite a few people that just wanted to rent cabins um, that everywhere else was booked. And so we became kind of a hotel in a, in a sense with some of our cabins. We also did some climbing adventures so that, uh, you know, a family or friends could come and they could do our zip line, climb our tower, and then we have a static um, course that they could do and so they could do three to four hours of climbing um, that was pretty popular too we tried doing some rental of our watercraft so like canoes and kayaks and stand-up paddle boards we didn't have a whole lot of takers on that though um, we had a few but that wasn't as popular as the horseback riding and the climbing do you find that the cabin rental and horseback riding and climbing was uh, a source of revenue worth doing did it help did it help keep things a little more positive yeah i 
especially for utilizing our horses. Um, they're used to being ridden a lot during the summer month. And, and so they wouldn't, <laughs> when he, with horses, you want them to be ridden a lot so they don't get um, ornery on you. <laughs> and so it was a nice usage of that. Otherwise they were only being used twice a day for an hour each. And so, um, you know, we were able to keep them in shape and um, doing what they love. And so that was really nice. As far as the weekends, um, there were some weekends that, you know, I think we did just because it was a nice thing to give back to our community. Do I think it brought in a lot of money? Probably not. Um, just because there wasn't, we didn't, you know, we weren't having 20 families here by any means. There were some weekends we only had like two or three families. And so it probably cost us more, but um, at the end of the day, our mantra was we want to give people a place to relax and connect and um, be with each other where they have fun. And so I think we did those things um, without, you know, putting too much um, in the red. <laughs> well, I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's great to add value to your community, but talk, could you talk a little bit about why that was important to, uh, to do that? Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that we wanted to do, especially with the weekends, was give our overnight camp families an opportunity to come to us. And we did see that. Um, so that there would be, so that connection piece would stay there, that they didn't forget about us. We wanted to make sure that we stayed in people's minds because it would have been a really easy summer to say, eh, we're not going to, to camp. And so we don't need to think about it anymore. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that we stayed on the top of their, their brains so that when registration came along that they could. Um, we had a group of recently graduated from our program campers come up with their parents and, um, and share their, their camp experience with their parents. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then we would have a, quite a few camper families or alumni families come up and this was their family vacation. We had some new families come too. That was pretty cool. Um, that was all word of mouth from past campers or alumni that was like, hey, you should check this out if you're looking for a very safe family vacation. And so that was awesome. Abby, you mentioned um, some huge successes. Zero COVID cases is a huge success in my mind, as well as I saw you post a bunch about how great your staff was. That sounds like a success. Um, some community connection. Um, any other successes that really stand out in your mind that, that make this summer really unique and successful? I think it was overall, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a success. Um, you know, we all missed overnight camp and don't ever want to revisit the decisions that had to be made um and so like but when you look at it at the end game it, it pushed us to be a stronger team it pushed us to think outside the box and so those are all great things and we also even learned some things that it's like duh why weren't we doing these you know in the past like it's probably a really good thing to wipe down your equipment after every year or after every group goes through. Like, I don't know how many camps do that. I've visited quite a few camps and I've never seen them wipe down their archery equipment after a group leaves. Probably a smart thing to do. Um, I told my staff team that hand washing must equate to healthier people because I didn't have staff get sick this summer and I always have staff get sick. And I don't know if it was because of the way that they were just in sleeping quarters and things like that, but I do equate it to hand washing. So our hand washing stations that we set up, we're gonna continue doing that. And so that there's more accessibility to having hand washing at camp because that's important. That's great. 
Abby, I've, we're almost out of time here, but I've only I've got just two more quick questions for you, and then I'll, I'll let Drew uh, Drew take us home with, with any questions he's got. But one is if you could highlight one or two things that you learned this summer that you want to share for our listeners. What are what's one or two things that you really learned that you think would be valuable to share? I think one thing that I learned, especially coming from a camp that has a really strong tradition and has been around for over a hundred years, is don't be afraid to just drop everything and start fresh. Um, at one point, I looked at my executive director and I said, I've always wanted to start a camp from scratch. Uh, not the way I wanted to ever do it, but it was like one of those things where you just kind of had to say, I know this is how we typically do it but we can't do it that way. And it's okay to have that conversation and okay to look at it from a, a fresh new lens. And so while that can be really hard for some people, um, that taking that ego and that pride out of like, this is what we always have done. You gotta drop that and be like, all right, here's, we gotta start from a blank slate and say, what can we do given the parameters? And I think that can work for a lot of different scenarios, not just in the COVID world, um, but for a lot of different things is that sometimes you gotta, say we can't do this anymore or we shouldn't do this anymore and how can we move forward um, I think the other thing that I really learned is and I've always known this about college kids they're resilient and they are amazing and you can grow a lot from them um, just as much as they grow from you and so having the right people on the bus is incredibly important and I was really fortunate not to get a team that was going to push back about all the things that we were putting forward. And I had a mix of past campers, past camp staff, and brand new to our program. And they all came onto the bus and said, we're gonna do this. And it also meant having a lot of hard, honest conversations with them. I mean, I point blank told them, you are the success of this program. If you do stupid things on the weekends, we're not gonna be here. And they all bought into that and said, yes, we want to be here. We want to give this kid, the kids uh, an amazing experience. We want to have an amazing experience and we want to be here more than two weeks. Um, and so having those honest conversations and giving them more credit than sometimes they get is really important. So hope is important, right? And one of the things I've enjoyed about the last 45 minutes and talking to you is you've given me hope. You're so upbeat and positive and the successes that you guys had. But right now on camping, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of people who are without jobs, they're furloughed or have been laid off. Um, a lot of unknown as to what 2021 would look like. What would you do to give them some hope? What would you share to just say, hey, there is hope for 2021 and let's let's keep our eye on the positive side? Yeah, that's a great question because I ask myself that a lot. Um, and so that that is hard to keep hope. But at the same time, you know that this industry has been around for, you know, over 100 years. And we've, I mean, camps had to have survived the Spanish flu. They survived World War II. They, you know, have survived through some really hard things. And so I think we just have to hold on to the hope and know that this is going to get better, that we're just in a rough patch right now. I entered camping as a professional at the beginning of a recession and everyone said, Abby, you're crazy. This is, the, you're not gonna find a job and I did. And that um, campers coming to camp was pretty low, um, but it got better. And I think we've all been riding that high wave of 
you know, we all rebounded so well after the recession. And this was so unexpected that it was like just that crushing feeling of we, we can't dig ourselves out of this, but we can. We've seen ourselves already do it. Um, and so I, I, we just got to hang on to those feelings and know that we're all in this together and that we can learn from each other. That's the one really cool thing. I've worked in other organizations that have not just dealt with summer camps and you know, those trade secrets don't get shared in some of those organizations, but in camp they do. And so let's keep talking to each other and learn from our successes and learn from our failures. And if you are a camp that didn't succeed this summer, share that because we want to know. And there's going to be no shame because I will share with you the successes that I had if you share the failures because I didn't see some of those failures. And so I want to know what those failures look like so we don't repeat this cycle. So we just have to talk to each other and um, be very hopeful and hold each other's hands and say, maybe not hold each other's hands, um, but <laughs> tell each other we can do this and that we are all in this together and that your success at your camp is going to help my success at my camp. Well, that's exactly what we're trying to do with this podcast series is to share some of those successes and what people have learned and give some hope uh, moving forward. And you've been a great guest for that. So you've been uplifting for me. It's been fun to listen to you talk and hear your stories and your successes. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. And I hope I can provide some nuggets of hope and um, learning to, to somebody else. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been Summer Camp and COVID-19 presented by The Sherry Group, LLC. This has been Summer Camp and COVID-19 presented by The Sherry Group, LLC. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.